You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone. All right, I'm in Romans chapter 6, around verse kind of 19. I'm using the message this morning. Usually I preach from the New Revised Standard Version, but I, but I loved how the message helps us get our minds around a big theological concept. And today uh, we're talking about sanctification, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we talk about being a Wesleyan holiness place, the Wesleyan Holiness Institution, this idea of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is what we mean when we say holiness. It is the central teaching to this idea of the holiness movement and what we are about as Wesleyan holiness people. So today we're going to talk about this idea of sanctification and hopefully help connect some of the dots around what it means to be part of the Wesleyan holiness tradition. So we're in chapter 6 of Romans. It says, you can readily recall, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different it is now as you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. Nothing you're proud of now. What did you get out of it? Did you call that a free life? Where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin telling you what to do, and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise. A whole, healed, put together life right now. That's what we're talking about, the sanctified life with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin for your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. Thanks be to God. All right, if you could just snap your fingers right now and something would be different about you, what would it be? So I'm not necessarily thinking about physical attributes. I'm thinking about more like your personality or perhaps your habits. Turn to your uh, chapel partner for 10 seconds. If you snapped your fingers, what would you like to be different about you right now? As far as your personality, your habits, who you are. All right. Did anybody say they wish they could become an early riser? I got anyone, anyone? Anyone say you wish you could be in spring break next week? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like your internal self. Most of us, most of us are trying to improve ourselves. We all kind of want to be, I mean, in general, a better version of ourselves. We come up with a lot of strategies 
goals. We like Instagram it all the time about things we're going to do, and we make goals and priorities and things we want to change about ourselves. We want to be more of an athlete. We want to exercise more. We want to be more academic and study more. We want to eat healthy. We want to figure out how to manage our emotions. We want to sleep more. We try to build our willpower, right? We try to read things that inspire us. We follow people's accounts that inspire us to be more of the kind of person that we think that we want to be somewhere out there. And, you know, for the most part, that is not a bad thing. I love to set goals. I love to, you know, have ideas and strategies of things I want to improve. I've been working really hard the last three years on my sleep, trying to make sure I'm getting at least seven hours and 15 minutes a night. I'm working hard on that. So that's something that I'm trying to be better at. Uh, you know, if we want to increase our resilience and our willpower, training is not a bad thing. But the thing of it is, is that most of us, most Christians, approach our spiritual lives with that same kind of mindset. We want to bulk up on our self-discipline, our willpower, our getting it right goals. And we have these ideas that we're going to be nicer, more Christian, more righteous, more holy, read our Bible more, not sin more, sin less. <laughs> that we're going to try to do the things that make us a better Christian. And if you are an earnest Christian, a serious Christian, I'm talking specifically to you because you know what it is that you have this idea out there of somehow what the Christian life is supposed to look like, what it should look like. And you have tried really hard to get there. You keep trying. And perhaps you are like me and you have this refrain in your mind that it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough. So you keep trying harder. You have this thought of the ways that you are letting the Christian life down. So uh, soon this wonderful class is going to graduate. And I was thinking back to when I graduated and moved uh, a couple blocks down the road from Kresge Hall. <laughs> and I moved into my very first, my own apartment, which actually was not an apartment, it actually was a mobile home behind someone's house. And in fact, it wasn't just a mobile home, it was a pink trailer. A pink trailer that someone had ditched there, I don't know how many years before, but it was a pink trailer, and in fact, it still had the trailer hitch on it. I, I don't know, like if somebody just wanted to really experience mobile living, it was prepared. So it was this little narrow pink trailer, and it had this rickety uh, porch kind of on the side of it and underneath this big, it was a beautiful shade tree. And I didn't care that it was a pink trailer. It was my first place on my own. So I moved my stuff into this pink trailer and, uh, you know, I wanted to make the best of it despite the fact that it was pink. And so I uh, paid my uh, rent of $165 a month and I moved myself into these two beds closets, I mean bedrooms, with this little tiny bathroom that was so small that you could sit on the toilet and wash your hands at the same time. It was super efficient. <laughs> and I moved my things into this little teeny tiny kitchen. It even had a washing machine. 
No dryer, that was too, you know, too much. But I had a washing machine, I had my little love seat, couch, and then this short church pew that crammed into this little teeny tiny living room. You know, it was one of those, now, now, it's, now it's popular, right, to live in little teeny tiny houses. But, you know, back then I, I, I was, you know, living cheap, living simply. So uh, it wasn't too long. Oh, and I should mention that uh, the owner, the landlord of this pink mobile home had recently repainted it on the inside. So it had nice fresh paint and they had put down this nice beige, fresh new carpet. So I was so delighted that I had new carpet and new paint even smelled a little bit like new paint. But soon I realized that my pink trailer was not all it was cracked up to be. Uh, first, I realized that there was places when the walls came together, they actually literally gapped to the outside. <laughs> Nothing a little duct tape could not fix, so we just duct taped it up. And then I, uh, I realized that um, I, I, had, I had some company, uh, some, some neighbors I wasn't counting on. And one of those sets of neighbors was a family of opossums that lived underneath the, the pink trailer. And sometimes in the morning, I would see mom and dad and kid opossum, you know, walking across the driveway. But at night, I got to know them because their backs would hit on the bottom of the trailer. So I could, uh, they were nocturnal, so, you know, they were up and awake. So I could know that my neighbors downstairs were uh, functional. And then in the morning... I came to realize that there was a family of squirrels in the tree above, and the squirrels would drop down onto that metal roof, and they would run along that metal roof to wake me up every morning. And then I realized that uh, I had been taking my laundry, you know, back to the Kresge laundromat, just kidding, back to my parents' house to wash the, my clothes because they had a dryer. But one day I decided I would check out that washing machine. So I put the clothes in the washing machine, super excited. I was like here in my own house doing my own laundry, turned it on. It was, all, it was great. It was good. They were washing the clothes. But then it hit the spin cycle and the whole trailer began to shake with the power of the spin cycle, and that washing machine began to take, I'm not kidding you, steps outside the closet. And then the cabinet doors flew open and dishes threw, flew out, and I had to make a running leap to get on that washing machine. Of course, that wasn't very far, it was small. But I had to make a running leap to get on that washing machine. But the, but the end of the story comes that one day, I was vacuuming underneath that church pew, and there was something kind of strange underneath the pew. And I looked down, and I realized that I had a whole crop of mushrooms that had sprouted through the carpet, that I was growing my own fungus harvest. And that, friends, was too much. That was too much. I could live with the opossums, the squirrels, the washing machine. But I just drew my line at fungus. You know, I thought about that story in my life a lot about the pink trailer and how myself included, how we as Christians tend to redecorate our lives and put down fresh carpet and put, down, put up fresh paint. We decorate our lives, but still the floorboards are rotting out. <laughs> but still there's all of this behavior all of this sin and brokenness and things in disrepair that are underneath the carpet, that are underneath the trailer of our lives. So I wonder if you are a Christian that finds yourself in that place. Do you keep doing the things you don't want to do? Have you realized that your willpower is not enough 
to solve the rotten floorboards of your life? Do you think that everything is good and then like me, just on an ordinary day, you step through one of those rotten floorboards, but actually it feels like waves of shame that just encompass you and you think, why am I still dealing with this? I'm a Christian. I'm trying to do all of the right things. Why do I not have freedom from this shame or this guilt? Why am I still resentful and angry and jealous and mean-spirited and self-centered? Why? You know, I think that you and I, we might have some pink trailer Christianity. Because this is because we lack the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We lack the sanctifying power of God in our lives. You see, becoming more like Jesus, whole and holy, is through the power of sanctification. It's through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is the act of God's grace where the Holy Spirit fills you up 100% with the love of God. That through the Holy Spirit, you are made whole and holy and cleansed from sin. That every last fiber of you is immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what Dr. Harriman last week was talking about, the color of God. It's the color of God, holiness throughout your being, every cell of your life. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to live the victorious life. You see, becoming holy is not about your becoming more moral, although it could be, and it's not about your behavior changing, although it most certainly will. It's about the work of God doing an act of grace in your life. When you're sanctified with the Holy Spirit, the power of God is released in you so that you are no longer owned by sin, but owned by righteousness. The Apostle Paul struggled with this too. And if you remember, Paul had that really dramatic conversion where he fell on the ground and like Jesus showed up and he's like, yes, what? Who are you? And, and, he, and he was blinded, and he had this, but he had this dramatic conversion. Yet in Romans 7, Paul says, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I, I do not do the good I want to do, but I do the evil that I want to do. Paul goes on to say, I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. <laughs> I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Now, Paul was a follower of Christ, and he too struggled with this behavior of modification. And in the book of Romans, Paul is calling the church to understand and pray for and believe in the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. What we believe in our Wesleyan holiness movement is that we can be freed from the power of sin in our lives. That doesn't mean that we will never sin. It doesn't mean that all of our problems are fixed. It means that we can be freed from sin owning us that we have all of the power of God available to us. And the act of sanctification is an instantaneous filling of the Holy Spirit that fills you totally up, but takes a lifetime to live into. And that we have 
the power of God in us that changes us. Not your willpower, not my willpower, not our goals, not our self-talk and pep talks, not our friends' examples, although all of that can be helpful, but it's the power of God. After you become a Christian, it's another work of the grace of God in your life where the power that raised Christ from the dead fills you. It's kind of like when you get married, right? You get married, you sign the documents, you know, you do the kiss the bride thing, and you're married. You are 100% married. There's not, you're not 95% married. But yet, to truly be an interdependent being, to truly be a partnership in the name of Jesus, it is a lifetime covenant to live into. Sure, you will make a lot of mistakes, but your context of your relationship is this covenant of marriage. Totally married, lifetime to live into. Some of you are going to get a college degree in just a few weeks. When you get that diploma, you will always have a college degree. It will not be taken from you. It is a, awarded to you fully. But yet, even now in my life, what it means to have a college degree from Asbury, the things that I learned in this place are continuing to work their way out in my life. What sanctification is, is this incredible, well, Beth Coppett, she says it like this. She says, all of Jesus for all of me. It's the deal of the century, the bargain of the universe. God offers all of God for your insignificant and proportion life. Hannah Whitehall Smith, a holiness leader of the 1800s, she says, God wants to give you the kingdom more than you want to have it. God wants to give you a Holy Spirit-powered life that is whole and holy. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life to become like Jesus. So friends, this is true in my life. I became a Christian like some of you, but not all of you, at like when I was like nine years old. And I have a memory, I think it was like March 24th when I was 11 or 12 years old. You don't have to know the date, that's not important, I just happened to. <laughs> but I had a time and a place where I knew that I wanted all that God had for me. I wanted my life to be on the altar, to be consecrated to God. And the Holy Spirit met that 12-year-old girl, and the Holy Spirit came in and filled me with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, every part of me, every part of me. And from that day forward, I am no longer owned by sin, but owned by righteousness. That means my operating system has been changed. My operating system is not a sin management system, but an operating system empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, certainly, I've had plenty of sin in my life and plenty of things to struggle with over the years. Certainly made lots of mistakes. But the difference is, is that the Holy Spirit is who is empowering in me the change. I didn't really understand. I mean, I'm still learning. But I remember when I was about 25, I had this, like, amazing epiphany. and went something like this. I am not responsible for my holiness. I am not responsible for my spiritual formation. I am not responsible to be more righteous. I'm not responsible to come up with emotional feelings about God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. There's some things I am responsible for, to show up, to repent from sin, 
to turn to God, to seek the Lord. But all the striving and the working and the performing and the trying to get it better and the behavior management and putting down the fresh carpet and trying to be a better person, you know what? That is God's work. That is God's work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. There's so much more to say, <laughs> so much more to say about the ways of uh, the, the rotten floorboards of my life of perfectionism, performing, and pleasing, which have been the three rotten floorboards that the Holy Spirit continues to heal and change in my life. I had a powerful moment, well, it was more than a moment, a season in my life when the Lord really spoke to me about my striving and my behavior management. And the Lord said to me, Sarah, instead of your striving to get it right with perfectionism, I want to give you my Holy Spirit power. Instead of you trying to please everyone, I want to assure you of my presence in you and my pleasure. Instead of you trying to perform and achieve, I want to give you the gift of my constant and undeniable presence, which will bring satisfaction to your soul. So Asbury, as I was praying about this, my big hope for some of you, even one of you, that you will set down this trying harder behavior modification life that we tend to think the Christian life is. And that someday soon, if not today in your life, you will experience the infilling power of the Holy Spirit who instantaneously fills you with victory over sin, over bitterness, over your need to perform and control, over your need to have life altogether, over your sin, over your behavior modification that the Lord would come in and fill you with the victory of the Holy Spirit, not just for that moment, but that, that from that moment forward, you have become owned by righteousness. Your operating system is the Holy Spirit. It is no longer about you working harder. Sanctification is not the final achievement of the Christian life. It is the st when your spiritual life really begins. When you become a Christian, that is a huge and significant step. But you know there is so much more that your life can become like Jesus's. Your life can grow in victory over sin. You do not have to fight this operating, sin operating system of sin and death. 